Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another interview podcast from Leeds That. I'm here with Andy. Hiya. Paul. Hey yo. And James. Hello. And today we've got a very special interview for you with Hayden Evans, who is a football agent, first and foremost, um, and has been involved with the club throughout many, many years and has got lots of stories to tell us. Andy and James went along to meet him. How was it? Oh, fascinating, mate. You've, you've touched it there. Guy has got stories for days. He's uh, The way he got into it is fascinating and all the tales he's got are brilliant. I can't wait for you to hear it. Andy and James came out of this one absolutely buzzing and uh, Andy couldn't wait. He started to send his little clips and snippets from the stories that Hayden shares. You get the feeling that this that they would have quite happily sat there all the way through the night listening to Hayden. That's fair. Very fair. We sat there for quite a long time afterwards. Yeah, we stayed for a couple of pints after. <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's see. They started out by asking Hayden a little bit about the setting that they were in at uh, Sherburn White Rose Football Club. Right, go on then. Before we get into the, the kind of crux, let's, we've got to talk about where we are and people kind of understand as the pod goes on the calibre of people you've dealt with. Your love for the game and grassroots is so clear with this place. Where are we? So we're actually at Sherburn White Rose Football Club. So we've got you know senior and junior section, but uh, I thought it was a good place to come because we get subsidised beer. So uh, you know it'll help, fl- help everything flow. But apart from the subsidised beer, it's, it's a good setup. It's um, you know I, I coach the under seventeens. Uh, I suppose uh, the good thing of that is the majority of them have been together now nearly ten consecutive years. So at seventeen years of age for a village team, which is what really we are, um, you know they, they do a great job at grassroots around this area. We've got tots up to vets and all the usual carry-ons. But yeah, it's good. So. Are you actually a Leeds fan then, Hayden? Oh, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my absolute passion is Leeds United. You know, it's it, uh, it's been that way since I was sort of first taken into the scratching shed at like eight. And uh, that's it. It's just live and breathe Leeds United, really. So you've always been a, a Leeds fan, but have you actually always wanted to be an agent within football? Have you kind of stumbled into that? No, that, w- that was purely by accident, I think, uh, fortunately for me. But... You know, I was a Leeds fan a long time before I ever thought about representing Leeds United players. Um, that that actually came about, uh, it sounds very boring, but I spent nearly 10 years at KPMG, the sort of global accountancy yeah. firm, as a tax advisor. But uh, in the latter years of that, we started looking after and representing some of the, the players and clubs and got involved in that type of business. 
Uh, and then I just decided, nudged by people like Ian Baird and Mervyn Day, Bobby Davison, that were saying, listen, you know, we think you could negotiate deals for us. Why don't you just give it a go? I was drinking partners with Baird and Bobby. So it was like, well, if I, if I fuck up, then, you know, does it really matter? And I said, well, not really, because we'll just say you were crap and he doesn't represent us anymore and we'll go again. So, so yeah, by default, um, <laughs> I, I started representing players and then left KPMG to say, I'm, I'm just going to go on my own. So 28 years later, we're still doing it. I mean, just from those first three names there, you can tell where this one's going. I'm, I'm excited. Now, you, you've you've been a fan home and away for years and years. Uh, season ticket, away season ticket too? Yeah, yeah. And you take your lads, don't you? Yeah, yeah. He's 17. Well, he plays for me on a Sunday, so he can't get away from me, really. He's <laughs> leads home and away and then plays with me on a Sunday. Oh, well, before all that and he turned up, you must have some good tales from following the club around the country. You got any? Yeah. It's just... You know, I'm of that age, you know, I'm one of these old farts now that the beauty of being this age is we've been through so much, yeah. as, as the song goes, you know, together. And some incredible times, you know, I mean, I don't know, when I first started going, I didn't know much about it other than it was it was my uncle and his mate and they liked having a pint in the Smythe's arms at Albeck. So I'd just be sat there as an eight-year-old watching them tank up and then just hoist me into the scratching shed as it was then so sort of one of my first memories was uh, Chelsea at Leeds and I was in the scratching shed and it was the first time I'd sort of seen proper skinheads you know uh, Rose Red Doc Martens Braces Ben Sherman's all that shit going on and uh, and it just I just loved it you know for, for all of it I loved sort of the animosity the banter just the buzz and, uh, Pretty tribal, isn't it? Oh, it, it, and you know, sort of eleven, twelve-ish. Um, there would be quite a big group of us in in Farsley where I, I was born, and and suddenly we started. You know, then it, it seemed safe to be able to not tell your mum and dad where you were going, but thumb a lift down the ring road. Your know, people would always pick you up, always, you know, and take you to Elland Road, and you thumb a lift back. And it it's was, crazy to think that now, isn't it? You would never do it. Couldn't do it. Could yeah. you? Couldn't do it, but but I'm I'm talking about dozens of kids yeah. on that ring road, up and down, picking up from Pudsey, Stanley, Farsley, you know. Obviously, Leeds United is sort of the big pleasure in all of our lives, but for you, the, the different mix is kind of the business side. Mm. How difficult is it to kind of split that business and pleasure, or is it something you just kind of gradually learn? Yeah, do you know what? It's, it's like, I, I, when I first started, it was difficult, yeah. um, because you'd let your... your, your, your heart rule your head you know so possibly early on and I think some of the older lads would forgive me for it I, <laughs> I was sort of far more lenient on Leeds United than I should have been when we were going into contract talks because I thought I don't want him playing for anyone else so it'd be yeah there was you know it's all sorted out lads you sign there and you stay you're staying at Leeds for another you know, the, there's got to be the best example there who's the best example for that I don't I, th- I probably undersold Bairdy quite a few times, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but we used to get into trouble together and all sorts. So, I, you know, I know if Bairdy hears this, he, he won't mind at all because he knew that I did. Uh, I mean, with him, I remember once him not wanting to leave Leeds, uh, and but Howard had decided it was time, and it pops, and it and it was really, yeah, in the big picture of things. And 
it was Borough, we were going to Borough, and I'd lined something up with Bruce Rioch, and I'd got Bairdy in the car, and we're just going over that brow of that A19 or whatever, where you drop down oh, on yeah, all these yeah. these smoke and shit. <laughs> and he, he said, pull over, just pull over here. So I pulled over in this lay-by, and Bairdy being Bairdy just looked at me and said, how the fuck do you think I'm going to explain this to the missus? <laughs> He said, tell me that before we go any further. You've got to be the one that tell her we're coming to live here. And, and it was that explanation that, Bairdy, you know, it's literally less than an hour. Yeah. You don't, you're not having to move out of the Leeds area. You're just moving clubs. But like that whole day with him, that was one of, my, that was one of the first experiences I'd had of a player with me doing a deal where I know he didn't want to be because he yeah. did everything he could to mess that deal up. You know, it was unbelievable. Like, Rioch was, um, I'm sure he had one of them disorders, you know, where everything has to be methodical. Oh, OCD or something. Yeah, yeah. And we sat waiting in his office and he'd got, like, programmes from 1940-odd or whatever, all set up in alphabetical date order, perfect. And the first thing Bairdy did was open the cabinet when he wasn't here and shuffle them all. Change all the dates, move the shelves, all of that stuff. Brave bloke, then do it oh, to him. Honestly, honestly, that, that was Bairdy. What about the uh, the bat steal to Blackburn then? Yeah, so... Because as a fan in the season ticket, obviously you you want David Batty at Leeds, don't you? Yeah, I, th- I think... How does... What, we were devastated, you know. That, that was... Um, that was one that just shouldn't have happened, but did, you know. And and yeah. and David definitely David was a great client because he was totally philosophical about everything, and yeah. it, and it was a case of all I ever want to do is play for Leeds United, full stop. So that's that's your first directive. Yeah. But if there's any point at which they indicate they don't want me, I'm gone. Mm. I'm not getting on my knees to beg. I don't want to ask anybody. You know, to do me favours. So, so it's great when it's clear cut like that because yeah. you just that was it. You know, Leeds tell us we've sold you, yeah, and that's the end of it. So you you go and try and do a deal. You know, has there been a heartbreaking one for you as a fan? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was that that was probably the first one of the ones that I really didn't enjoy doing. You know, is there one where you've had to help push it through as an agent where you didn't want to do it as a fan? Yeah, and funny enough, not even a client of mine at the time. And it sort of documented it. Uh, Ridsdale put it in his book and um, and sort of tried to blame, even name me in his book as part of the demise, the big demise. What actually happened was um, I, I was working a little bit with and for Alan Layton and the, the executive board at the time, and we were, we were right against it. It was absolutely clear as day that we probably had two weeks before the club would go into liquidation at that point and the club needed about five six million pounds uh, and Alan and, and lots of others including Peter were, were saying well you know where can we we've got to raise this money but at that time there weren't that many saleable assets not of that value and the one that stuck out was Woody so uh and again, it, it, you know, Richdale put it in his book, but but he he sort of put a wrong slant on it in that England would. I, I always used to go. I, I still watch England, so I, it's Leeds and England. So I was just as an England fan, I was at Wembley, 
and Woody's dad was two rows behind me and I, and I knew him. So it's just as simple as that. I'd been at Newcastle all week doing other stuff for Newcastle. I'd mentioned Woody to, to, to them and said, there's a sniff that you could get him, but you'd have to pay, I, you know, I overinflated it. I said, you'd have to pay seven million quid and you'd have to pay it on the nose. And they indicated that they might. Freddie Shepherd was brilliant to deal with. He was really straight as, you know, he's, a real character mm. and he said I'm not going to mess about phoning them because they'll try and screw me and blah 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 I'll give them money on the nose but you have to find out if the player would come because I'm not messing about so I mentioned it to Woody's dad Woody's dad said yeah he would simple as that I told Freddie Shepherd. he phoned Leeds United said there's 7 million quid here waiting for you we know the player will come and it was all done in a day and Leeds cashed the money that, that kept them afloat but you know, As other people, Leighton, me, various other people would, tr- would try to be made a little bit of a scapegoat for that deal. So, yeah, that that's the one I, you know, as a fan, no way did I want to see Woody go, but I understood that he was possibly the sale of Woody saved the club. Yeah, definitely. We've got so much more to cover on this, but when we've mentioned Woodgate, as a fan, let's get you back in. I've been harping on this podcast saying that Ben White is the best defender we've had since Jonathan Woodgate. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about that. Now I've touched on Woody. I'm all for that. I, I, I think Ben White is incredible footballer. Uh, I think he... I mean, you've seen a lot of footballers coming in and out yeah. and you've worked with those. How good yeah. is he? How highly do you rate I him? Just, I, I think, you know, he, he's 100% going to be an England player. I think, unfortunately for us, you know, given the timelines we have in getting not just to the Premier League, but getting into the top five or six. I think he's a top five Premier League footballer, you know, and probably will be within 18 months, two years. You know, you never know. You, you would hope that being in Leeds, living in Leeds and all that, he's caught the bug a little bit. A lot of players don't like leaving Leeds or the area or anything else once they've experienced it. If we do get promotion, we've, we're at least in with a fighting chance, you know, Um some player, yeah. Just to go back to um, the the chairman discussion, if that's all right, and Peter Ridsdale, you've obviously dealt with a lot of managers and a lot of chairmen over the years. Are there any particularly that stand out as, as good and bad? What's your kind of impression of Peter Ridsdale as well at the time? I think Peter Ridsdale did take a lot of flack, mm-hmm. that's for sure, because he wasn't it, solely on his own responsible. Yeah. I think Do you probably, think he was a, a, a Leeds fan just yeah, lead, just. I, I, Trying think, to lead with his heart, wasn't he? Exactly. I, th- I think, I think you know, he, he just wanted it to happen so badly that he got caught up in it all. And and I don't know, his common sense just flew out of the window. At, at certain, I mean, I've never seen, for example, when, when Oli Decor came, I've never seen a club publicise the fact that they're paying a massive cheque to someone. And he had, that, he had that dummy cheque made up with the signing on the pitch saying, look, how m- this is a cheque we've paid. And that's when I thought, oh, something's gone wrong here. You know, it's- you keep your cards close to your chest as to how much money you've got, don't you, if crazy. you're negotiating a deal? Crazy, yeah. crazy. So I think, you know, Peter might be the first to admit now that, he, that his ego as well got in the way. Well, that leads me perfectly on to our podcast is called Leads That. It's when everything's going so well. We're top of the league. Only team at top of the league at Christmas not to go up. Leads that. Does that count as one of your leads that? What's your biggest leads that moment following them? 
or because you're kind of more involved with players and you, you kind of see it more philosophically and you don't really say, you don't really feel there's a lead to that, you know? Do you no, think? I do. Do you? 100%. <laughs> Good. I've, I've brought... I've, I've brought. He's been home and away far too <laughs> long and he, he knows that leads that is a thing. Absolutely. I, I You know, I, I know I've sort of mentioned my lad again, but I've brought him up on... He, he's watched absolute shit for years. Well, it is... A lot of these youngsters coming through, I'll have, and this is no disrespect, so I've never played the game, but they'll have seen players playing for Leeds that should not have played for Leeds United. Well, my, my, my sort of, my big Leeds that moment with my lad was last year in that eventful four days when we lost at home on the Friday, went down to Brentford on the yeah. Tuesday. He was with me for both games. And after Brentford, he's looking at me saying... How on earth can that happen? How can how can we be so strong? How can we be where we are? And how could that have happened in the last four or five days? And you know, it was leads that. So true. Simple as it. So yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in that. <laughs> I, I think it goes because I'm old enough as well to have had those moments. You know, like I was 19, whatever, when we went to Paris. So you know, I was old enough to know what was going on and know that we were robbed. Leads that. And yeah, exactly. And so over over my time and loads of people like me, we've seen loads of those situations. You know, FA Cup final on a Saturday, play for the championship on a Monday. You yeah. know, it, no, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's us again. You know, so yeah, so so right now I'm just waiting for the next Kiko moment and the you know one year ban and the ten million that, pound fine or whatever. Yeah, that's it. it yeah, oh, Leeds oh, Lee United. Why do we do it to ourselves, Aidan? I'm, I'm not sure. Love, hey. Well, we, we've touched on that, but what's your highlight of following lanes? As a fan? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Because uh, first and foremost, you are a fan. Yeah, I mean, I think Bournemouth, I think, is just hard to beat. I think just, just being there and in amongst it and, you know, going down there for two days and ending up coming home a week later. And Well, this is it. Everyone that I've spoken to that's been there has got a story. What's your yeah. story? Talk me through your, your time. We we uh, we we sort of ran we yeah I can't tell it now it's it's so it's, it's a long time ago isn't it we we um, a group of us f- for that whole year for the whole year ran uh, uh, an executive inverted commas coach but what we did was we had a we had a, a big Leeds United sticker with the official logos that about ten twenty mile before approaching the away grounds we'd stick this on the front and it said Leeds United directors and then <laughs> Big Rossi who's dead now God bless him had a police inspector's uh, high vis jacket and he'd stick that on we, we only tried it first away game thinking see what happens so as we get to the roundabouts where everyone's getting pulled over and coaches held we get two bike outriders and the flagging us through the traffic Straight to the straight to the ground, That's straight genius. to the door. Genius. So it worked the first game away, and God's not with God's truth. Every single game that season, <laughs> we did the same thing. But then we get to Bournemouth, and we weren't clever enough there. The, we pulled into the car park, and there's the third world war, fourth world war going. Everything's going off. You know, there's police horses, there's stonings, there's everything. Everybody wants tickets. And we've pulled in with this Legion United director sticker on. 
And that was it. The coach just got bombarded, mobbed. It's getting stoned. <laughs> wait, where's our ticket? We want tickets. They'll have tickets. So it was like the flap jackets were coming off. The stickers came off. And a few other lads on ours were sort of faces at the time. You know, and we're trying to, we're going, whoa, whoa, it's us, it's us, it's not, you know, we're not directors, <laughs> we're not. So it backfired a little bit, but yeah, that. You've just given a, an idea to all the uh, supporters clubs around the country. Yeah. Now, and Whites are going to be turning up with their Leeds badge on now. It, it, it worked, <laughs> you know, Leeds United directors. But um, yeah, so that, that Bournemouth was a highlight, winning it with Howard was a highlight. Yeah, yeah, they've given us some, it's not been all gloom, has it? They've given us some fantastic moments, you know. And that's why we always come back for more, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because that feeling and, is... and right now, those fantastic moments are, are just watching them play football. You know, the way Bielsa's got them playing for me, it's just fantastic. I just love watching them play. It's weird, isn't it? Because everyone's um, got their opinion. Like, we're doing so well. We're doing the best we've done in the Championship since we dropped out of the Premier League, which is crazy. And uh, everyone's sort of got their opinion and feels like we should be should be doing better than that. But um, but one thing that is sort of true and is all these fans do it and you've just done it there is like you're talking about Bournemouth but we're talking about the event it's you know we're talking about uh, the run up to it and and the laugh you have with all your mates and, yeah. and ultimately that's what it comes down to isn't it it's it like does. The, the football is a lot of the time secondary isn't it it's uh, it's very it's it, un- at the minute, it's not as primary, isn't it? I mean, we've we've gone back to that a little bit. To be fair, this year we're like uh, Luton coming up. You know, we're we're on the Gareth White's coach. Yeah, you know, uh, we went to Millwall with them, and it's like half past seven start. Twenty um, beers you know, before off it. you go. Nice, <laughs> nice pub stop sorted out. And uh, yeah, that that is one hundred percent what it's about. It's about being with your mates. It's, you've got the common cause, which is always leads. You know, and and it's just good times. Well, that leads me perfectly on to the next bit is back to your profession. The the job you're in, I think it's fair to say, is that you can't do the job you do without a, a huge element of trust from your clients and you end up becoming friends with them. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we've heard some great tales of you following. Let's hear some tales, if you can, on a few people we've selected from your portfolio. Okay, go ahead. Tell, name some names and I'll see whether I'm, I'm able to tell you any stories. Well, the one person I'm thinking of that you could certainly have some stories on is Vinnie Jones. Yeah, I mean, Vinnie, everybody, everybody that has come into touch with Vinnie Jones will have a story about Vinnie because, because he's so likeable and approachable. You know, so as a client, that's one thing, you know, um, you know I, I actually didn't do his deal to bring him to Leeds or anything else. He turned up, you know, and... Uh, at that time, I was doing a lot with most of the other lads, and it was, you know, you, you maybe need to sit with Vinny and, you know, let him know what being at Leeds is all about and yeah. and all the rest of it. And is uh, uh, another friend of his that has become his very best friend, Alex. Really took him under his wing, showed him Leeds, and and they've been met, which is a sign of Vinny. They've been best mates ever since. Um, but yeah, with Jonah, it was. You know when he when he when he first arrived, you you sort of you it's know it, it, yeah it was like into majestics or into Mister Craig's or, or where you know it was all of that stuff going off and uh, mayhem all around him initially you know but he, he handled all of that you know he, he handled the attention everything else there was obviously always the odd one that wanted to have a pop at him so 
again, he handled all that, surrounded himself with the right sort of people, not the wrong sort of people. Um, but I, I think the biggest story, the biggest thread of any story with Vinny for me, being representing them, is, is the relationship he had with Bats. They were just unbelievable together. Unbelievable. And then, you know, he, he'd make Bats cry with laughter. He, you know, he's one of the few that... that could tell bats what to do one way or the other. So, yeah. So, so half the stuff you've heard, and none of it is myth. You, you think that's got to be? Yeah, I think you'll have, have you heard the story about Shez and and Vinny turning up at bats' house or whatever and spinning the you know doing wheelie or whatever on the lawns and all that. But it's all legit, that, isn't it? Yeah, the truth of that is bats then ended up with a, a shotgun. You know, he's, he's hanging out the window <laughs> with a shotgun. You know, and there's all sorts of stuff like that went on with them too. Um, but the only other story with Vinny, which was a bit tragic in a way, was that obviously we got on well over the years. And I don't know if you remember the fateful England, Republic of Ireland, first time back after all the troubles. Oh, yeah. So we were all in Dublin. I, I was with a bunch of leads like for four days before the game. Yeah. Um, we all knew it was going to happen. Mm. Every, everybody there knew. You know, because it was brilliant. They, they were going, yeah, they were going around the hotels. Some of, some of the ringleaders were saying, "Okay, this is the sign. There's going to be Union Jack Brawley put up at a certain point, and that's when smash the place up." All of that was going off. Vinny, it was the, his first gig as a reporter. So, so I think it was the Daily Mirror or I don't know who it was. Right. So, on Daily Mirror, I said, "Why don't we have Vinny?" as a reporter at the game. So he fancied he's, you know, something a bit different. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a match yeah, yeah. report. So he was at the big hotel at the end of Lansdowne Road. We, I met, he said, H, come, you know, come and have a drink with me and that before you go up to the stadium. And so I was in there, I said, Vinny, you know, it's, there's going to be a massive story here because it's, it's going to kick off here. So he, Vin, Vinny's deal was, nah, nah, it's all bollocks. It's all bollocks. He said, tell you what I want you to do. He said, come back afterwards and just tell me what happened at the game. He said, I think I'm just going to put my feet up here and have a few <laughs> beers. So he, he thought this match reporting like was easy, you know. Yeah. When it all kicked off, we got back early. There's mayhem. He's missed out on, you know, sort of hands-on reporting. But it was that particular night that uh, a, a reporter from the Mirror accused Vinny of stuff that he hadn't done. Vinny, Vinny had was irate we were sat around a little table he was just across from me he sort of beckoned this guy over to him said look you know we were saying you just need to go away you know you're making up stories it's all crap because he's been with us we yeah. you know he, he hasn't done anything so he was on about how he's going to make up a story and it was going to be about women and all this that hadn't happened Vinny pulled him over and as he pulled him over Vinny had got hold of his nose and his teeth like a rottweiler and wouldn't let go. He's shaking this guy's head around. He's, he's gone on the floor. There's claret everywhere. We've eventually pulled him off. At that point, Vinny knew that he, he really had done something yeah, yeah. really bad. And he promised his wife, you know, that he was never getting in trouble again. He was clean. He was all the things. And he was just distraught that she would be upset with him. And the following morning, we were flying back, and it was front page, not back page. The guy's face is, you know, obviously your eyes go blackened and all that. And I think Vinny talks again about that from time to time, and in his book that that 
that incident was the one that made him think about going to the woods, you know, finishing it because he felt he'd let his family down. And I think that describes Vinny as well. There's all the good side, but, you know, he's such a genuine guy in terms of family and friends. The worst thing for him is to let them down. Yeah. So uh, that's a bit of a sombre note, isn't it? But... Well, no, it's, but it's true to life, though, isn't it? You know, because I think from a fan perspective, you just think about the business of football, don't you? But equally, it's like all this stuff is because you're his friend and that's why you're exposed to it. And you see kind of the real Vinnie Jones and you see the real David Batty and you see the yeah. real people that you work with. And uh, it is interesting to hear it because, yeah, like I say, it's all about... Um, we we do think too much about the sport and not the fans. You think too much about the sport and, and money and deals and stuff, but mm. there's people behind it. Yeah, really, it is. Isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next one. Yeah, we've touched on bats, so we'll skip him unless you've got a real gem for us. I think everybody knows about bats. You know, the, 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 the David's David. You know, and, and uh, I think the goat. So, yeah. So one of the funniest. The things, I guess one of the funniest bits with bats was when he when he did go to Blackburn and it was Kenny. And uh, Howard had told Kenny, listen, whatever you do, just don't leave him with footballs hanging around because all he wants to do is twat them. <laughs> you know, he said, and, and it was just like a bit of off the cuff, you know, humour. And it, and, it and it did happen that, I don't know if you remember, Blackburn at that time, their changing rooms and all that were part of cabins. You know, they stepped out of part cabins again. And it was in, I think within a week, he put two big holes through the roof of the porter cabins, volleying footballs inside the changing rooms because someone had left one around, you know. And that's what that's what kids who love football do, isn't it? You want to smash that ball. And, you know, so that's David at possibly his peak or near his peak, but that's all he wanted to do. If he saw football, he wanted to kick it as hard as he could, you know. So that's what I loved about Bats. And, and I guess that year as well, he gave his medal away to a ball boy because he didn't feel that... He played enough games to deserve it, so sums him up really. Testament to his character, that really isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Vinny and uh, David had a really good relationship together. Is there any points where you've had like multiples of your clients and they've caused you massive headaches, and you think, "Oh God, how are we going to get out of this?" Yeah, I think I think <laughs> <laughs> it's back to the original two, really. Yeah. Bairdy and Davis and <laughs> Bobby D and Bairdy. Just, I mean, we. It, you know, I loved them because I I couldn't behave myself either at that time. And, and you know, uh, several of my ex-wives will testify to, to those years, um, as will the lawyers and the bank. But, um, I, I, yeah, I just got pulled in with them too. And, and I don't know which one of us was the worst, really. But we had just the stuff we used to go up to. I mean, if them two together were just horrific. And I, I remember again. I think, I think it's quite well documented. We 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 went. We went. Well, there's two incidents. I mean, one we went on a casino night for some unknown reason, and we ended up down at Dragonara Casino as it was then on Kirkstall Road. And the whole night was just turning to disaster because as we went in, Bobby signed as M Mouse, thinking it was funny. <laughs> but, but he was like the leading goal, so he'd been top goal scorer for three seasons. It's it's Bobby Davison and Ian Baird, you know, <laughs> M Mouse, all that. Then he thought it was funny to start harassing the croupiers, you know, and, and when they're playing poker and they're sliding the cards out, stopping the cards or <laughs> trying to slap the top of their hands and all this. Then the bouncers come, so Bairdy does his usual raging bull, you know, and 
so even the bouncers were scared of Bairdy when he was at it. <laughs> so the whole night's going wrong, you know, and, and, and we're pissed up. It ends up that we all have seen too much Starsky and Hutch in that era. <laughs> and there was a car that was open and we sat in it and then realised that not one of us knew how to, you know, what is it, what do you call it when you put the electrics together and spark, yeah, get, you know, spark the ignition off with the... So we just sat in this car. So then we got out of it and walked up Kirkstall Road and got a taxi. <laughs> Following day, we we get called into Howard's office. So yourself included, yeah, yeah, myself included, and there's CCTV, oh, obviously of everything. <laughs> so we get a real telling off and all of that, and you know we felt really bad about it. And the irony was, as we left, that Bairdy was playing for Borough at the time. And I didn't even work for Leeds United. But we were apologising to Howard for, for letting ourselves down, <laughs> letting the club down, <laughs> letting everybody down. Sergeant <laughs> Wilco. And, and, and Howard's part of the deal was he'd already had a word with the chief inspector and nothing was going to be done about it. But, you know, we needed to show that remorse, really. And it, uh, Jay, we, we came away and what, what on earth were we even doing there, getting told off by him, <laughs> me and Bairdy, you know. Respect. So, yeah, absolutely. Respect, Total respect. Right, Tony Oboa. Yeah, Tony, Tony, well, just as a fan, just, you know, probably the best striker of the sort of modern era. Yeah. You know, explosive, everything, you know. You know, always incredible goals. You know, had to leave long, long before his time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Tony Tony was and is a great character as well, you know. I mean, that that was a good thing about these boys. I mean, none of them were really boring. Um, (laughs) Tony, in his own way, was just, uh, he was just funny. You know, he'd like, we'd get him set up in the house and all that stuff. And for the first few weeks, he'd answer at the door in the full African robes. (laughs) And then he'd look down and say, Tony, what, what have you got on your feet? And he'd have a pair of Lion King slippers on, you know, with the lion's head from Lion <laughs> yeah, King. Simba. Because his nickname in Germany was the King. So this was this was him in African gear in Wheatwood or whatever, wearing African uh, Lion King slippers and everything. and just just that thing. So it's a, so we 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 bought into that, and I think most of Yorkshire did. You know, we got him sponsored by Yorkshire puddings, you know, yeah, things yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, which yeah. he devoured. By the way, that's how he got an ass as big as he had. <laughs> Because of them Yorkshire puddings, you know, and he was just incredible, Tony. Absolutely incredible. I loved it at Leeds. And that's when you see when he comes back, he's just, he feels it's a privilege to come to Leeds. He feels it's a privilege to talk to fans, you know. He'd never been as loved as much. He'd been even more successful in Germany, but never loved as much as he was at Leeds. And the way it all ended was all entirely down to George Graham and, and George Graham's ego and envy of somebody bigger than him yeah. at the club. And, uh, you know, and I think that really hurt Tony, for sure. You know, I mean, when he took his shirt off at Tottenham that day, which was the, sort of the, the final well, throw, you know, he was throwing his shirt at George Graham. He wasn't throwing that Leeds United shirt on the ground or disrespecting the shirt. He was throwing, we were one nil down, there's only one man going to get us to 1-1 one, one or 2-1. Yeah, but Graham thought this is my time now. This is where I'm going to show him who's boss, and Tony wasn't having that. One person from that era who was instrumental in signing players like Tony was Bill Fotherby. 
we touch on him a bit? And yeah, because he was a character, wasn't he? Yeah, that, it, I mean, he, you know, he he's the guy that brought the money to the club that enabled him to do some of the things. You know, that, that I know we weren't big big spenders, but without Bill Fotherby, we you know we wouldn't be talking about any of these players we're talking about. We'd never be able to keep the lights of bats and things like that. You know, we just wouldn't have had the money to do it. So uh, I think it's that era of sponsors that they're the ones that really put their hands in the pockets and because of Bill, really. He, not only could he persuade players to come, but he could he persuaded the community to get mm. behind the club. Yeah. Because uh, I've obviously watched, um, well, a lot of us have watched the Do You Want to Win documentary which you've <laughs> yeah. featured in as well yeah, yeah. um and bill seems to have the uh, the knack of just finding money anywhere yeah. including your pockets as well the story uh, and that made me chuckle he emptied my pockets a few <laughs> times the, you know that the, the picture story people do tend to it's know brilliant. about the other one that they don't know about which um there was just so many things we could say that when we made the film you know we just had to you know clip it like you know with the job you do here now um but Another classic bill with me was we were playing uh, Exeter away on a Tuesday or a Monday, uh, not Exeter, uh, Plymouth away on a Tuesday or Wednesday night or something. And we'd already been away on the Saturday. And he phoned me up and he, he said, hey, and he said, I need, I need you to come, come, in, come in to Elland Road. And he always knew that if he went to Elland Road, there was a little bit of getting caught up in it anyway. You know, if you were just meeting for a coffee in town, it wasn't, it was, oh, yeah, I'd love to, uh, yeah. Yeah. And walk There's coming to Ellen Road, it's, it's like yeah. going to church, isn't it? It's like so you, so come to, come down to the ground, have a chat. And he said, he said, listen, Howard, Howard has decided that it's very important the boys go down to Plymouth on an aeroplane. This is how he's talking. He says we can't afford an aeroplane in, can we? He said Leeds United. He said we can't. But I don't want to let the manager down. He says so. I've costed this plane. And it's going to be, I think it was five grand at the time, something like that. He said, this is what I want to do. I want you and, and that, those mates of yours, I want you to ring them all. And he said, four of you, he said, try and get the money together. And if you do, and he's going, listen to this. If you do, Howard says, you can travel on the plane with the lads, said, be in the hotel with the lads and travel on the plane back. So I said, so we buy a plane and we're allowed to sit on the plane. So he said, yeah, with Howard. And I'm th deep, I'm trying to be cool, but deep down I'm going, oh, this is, br this is brilliant. <laughs> so I said, yeah, but we went out to a sea anyway if we bought a plane. He said, no, not to sit with Howard and the lads. So I'm like, just leave it with me a bit then, Bill, you know. Anyway, raised the money. I said, you're right, we've got it. We, you know, let's do it, let's do it. He said, brilliant, can't wait to tell Howard. He said, it's going to make the difference, that, you know make a difference on performance, you know, all this. <laughs> so off we go. Morning before, m morning of the game, flight's due to go off at whatever time. He rings up. Bloody hell, Aidan, I don't know how to tell you this. He said, uh, I've miscounted. Oh, no. He said, there's no seats for you lot. <laughs> 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 I said, you're joking. He said, no, I'm not. He said, I, I'm... I really am not. I'm not winding you up. He said, I just miscounted. There's no seats. I said, oh, Jesus Christ. I said, what do we do? He said, well, you better get in your car if you want to follow us. <laughs> so we drove down. We, you know, those Muppets that paid for the flight. We drove down. And I think, I think it was a, I can't remember. It ended up a drive. I think they got a last minute. Some 
shitty result anyway. And it was the quietest car ever. I'm responsible. <laughs> I've got them in the car. They're going, so how much has that cost us then? This fucking trip, you know. And I, <laughs> but that was his, his other classic on me. Mate, that's Leeds that. Yeah. That is Leeds that. He's the ultimate salesman, really, isn't he? Total. Total salesman. Best there ever was. Right, let's touch back on a couple more. Um, one person you're synonymous with uh, is Gary Speed. Yeah. Uh, we, we did an interview with Bryn Law the other day. Um, and he was a famous friend of his as well and just glowed about him. It's hard not to, isn't it? Uh, you know, every, everything about everything about Gary was good. You know, it's it, you can elaborate and, and all sorts. You know, I when these lots started playing here, the group that I've got under eights, you know, and, <clears throat> and under sevens, and they'd want, um, I don't know, who was... You know, some fancy football at the time or whatever, and they'd be talking about them and talking about this and that. You know, we we would be drilling into them here. You know, we said, listen, if there's one example of of being a professional footballer, if there's one person you should have a look at. You know, look at videos, watch him, watch not just the way he plays football, but the type of person he is. He's the sort of person that all grassroots players should look up to. He's the type of player yeah. and person. Because, you know, he was everything that is good about football. So he'd bring a smile to thousands of people's faces when he played. You know, it's not sentimental rubbish, but everyone he sort of touched in his personal life was better for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm certainly a better person for having known Gary. Um, you know, I like to think, you know, my kids treated him, it was like godfather to James and all that. You, yeah. you know, they treat him like that and they... You know, I just think it was just a great example of, of how you should be as a human being first and then secondly as a professional athlete. You know, it's, there's no better example. Uh, we, we spoke to Bryn about, he was reporting on the day and it was horrible and hard to watch. You, you had a really hard task, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was again, it was one of the reasons why I wanted you to come here as well because... We, We'd got a game that day, you, you know. Um, so we all come back to the clubhouse. We all watch Sky. We all stick together as a group here. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. And and um, it it was the first time I hadn't taken my mobile with me. You know, as an agent, you tend to have it stuck to you. You know, and <laughs> and, and I hadn't. I'd, I'd left it at home. And we'd played it in a cup match down here. The lads had won. We came back to the clubhouse. We're all sort of sat round the table. And I had my back to the, the TV screen and my and James, my son, was in front of it. And the whole clubhouse just went, because they all know the relate. Gary used to come and watch here. And, and uh, just everybody in the clubhouse went quiet. And I, I didn't know what had gone on. And James just looked up and he said, Dad, you need to look around. I think it's, that's about Gary. So look round. And the way Sky first reported was harsh. Yeah, because they just put a strap line up through saying Gary Speed found hanged in garage. Yeah, that was the first thing I saw. So then I just that pit, I rushed him out. I got him in the car. We went home. Lucy was there. She said, "You've missed dozens and dozens of calls." Have you seen? And it was it was the family. Yeah, you know, sort of literally from the moment they'd found him, but I'd missed all the calls. So yeah, it was um, it was really hard and. 
So I, I went over there straight away and then I just stayed with the family and then it was decided that I, they decided I should be the one, which I think is on film, to, to go to the end of the, the drive, ask for respect and, and sort of open everything out to them. And, be, and the, the, the media were fantastic. Absolutely brilliant on the day. Again, though, for me, that, that shows how highly regarded you are. Yeah, I think it's a the, the relationship with Gary was unique, though. I, I, you know, I, it, That's I was, what I mean, you're the friends. You know, you're not just... Yeah, we, we, I'm not like that with all my clients. You know, it, it, we just, from from him being a, a lad and, and being here, we, we got on, so we went on holidays together. We, You know, you, you form that proper friendship. Um you know, and and you sort of you do. It's not a cliche. You, you know, to this day I miss him. You, you, you know, there's always an odd moment every week that um, there'll be something that reminded me of Gary. You know, and, and so as I tend to try and stay closer to Roger and Carol, if if not physically by phone, and we keep in touch and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite hard, really. It still is for I think Bryn. Bryn will still find it hard. Th- those who are close, um, but that's only a sign of of the effect that Gary had on people. If you get me, you know it. It sounds callous, but even good friends, you know, so many years on, you, you don't sort of sit thinking about them two, three times a month about little things or getting, you know. I mean, I can talk about it now, not too bad, but. But you can sometimes get, you still get a little bit upset, you know. So I think that that is just testimony to what a great, great person he was. And do you have? Because um, obviously we were we were looking for funny moments, but I think uh, get, like Gary Speed is is just the ultimate nice guy. Is there like any sort of nice gestures that you remember that you just think, uh, wow, that sums him up perfectly? Yeah, I don't. You know, I think I think he like so many footballers are very charitable. Yeah, it's the bit that people don't see or, or they're beginning to see, I think. People begin to understand. This. I think it's charitable with time as well, isn't it? You know, no, exactly. That, um, that's what I mean. I think some people think it's a, a They gift don't just give sort. money and, and they, they understand that their time is more precious than giving somebody a, a cheque. You know, it's more valuable. Yeah. So, so a lot of players do that, lots of players. Uh, I think Gary did all that anyway as a matter of course, but I think where, um, you know, I, th- I think the things about, I think, the sort of rays of sunshine that he brought were more literally in the local pubs and things like that with people that just saw him. He was just a good lad who created a lot of laughs. And, you know, we'd do... Like, we had a routine at one time with, with bats and speed on that when, when they were younger and just breaking through. And and it was them that determined it. It was Gary in, in particular. And it had to be that we had to get back from Elland Road on a home game into the red line at Shadwell into the tap room to have his gammon, egg and chips <laughs> just in time for Blind Date. Brilliant. So we'd religiously sit and watch Blind Date, all of us, you know, with gammon and <laughs> chips, same routine every, every, after every home game. And then it turned into like Sundays later on would be, we'd got Duke of Wellington at East Keswick because he moved over there. Yeah. And and I think he brought more fun to the locals and th- things like that, you know, because he'd, he'd he'd get a bit drunk and he'd always he'd have a Welsh shirt underneath his shirt. Next minute he stood on a he stood on a chair singing a Welsh national anthem, you know. Those are the moments, really, rather than yeah. bigger gestures. Yeah, just a character. Yeah, yeah, real character. Yeah, 
And now another person who's a character who played with him. This is the last one we'll touch on. Chris Kamara, Cammy. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. Have you heard, uh, have you heard he's got an album coming out? No, I haven't, but I'll tell you, he's some right. singer. He's got a um, he's got a Christmas single coming out, which I think will go to number one. It's outstanding. I thought it was a joke at first when I heard Cammy's got one. But I was listening to him uh, on the radio. He stood up and sung your song, Milton John, didn't he? He, he um, that, that was when he first signed for Leeds, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he, he's got he's got a fantastic voice, you know. Uh, I mean, the, the joke was that that he could all but bring Mel Sterling to tears singing to him. You know, Mel would get moved <laughs> by Cammy <laughs> singing to him, and then and then and then the, the classic, the one song I will always remember because it's it's indented in my memory and my wallet. Is that um, for my, on my third wedding? <laughs> um, I married a girl from Wales, and the 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 wedding was in um, was in London. Cammy was there uh, as one of my guests. Gary was my best man. Bat sent a card saying, uh, which Speedo read, read out, saying, uh, "H, so sorry, I couldn't be there, but I'll be there for the next one." <laughs> and then Cammy got on the piano. The mother-in-law at the time didn't know I'd been married before, and started rip belting out once, twice, three times a lady. <laughs> and that, was, that, other than two of the lads running onto the first dance as sumo wrestlers, that sort of put a mark on that marriage really from the first day. <laughs> but yeah, that, that Cammy sang that to me at my wedding. That sounds like very typical. Do you currently have any players in the books at, at Leeds? Yeah, I mean, what we what I've done, obviously, I'm, I haven't got as much in common, you know, with younger players, and I've certainly not got the patience that's needed sometimes <laughs> with them. So um, Andy Gray, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. ex Leeds. Um, so Andy joined me about eighteen months ago, nearly two years ago. So he's slowly taking over the, the individual player management side of the business. Yeah, because A is very very good at it. Uh, B, you know. He was one of my more discerning clients. You know, he, he tended not to give in on the deal. When I thought he'd got his last legs, I'd still get Andy down at Charlton saying, do you know what, let's leave it a night. I think there's a bit more in it. Yeah, yeah. And I could tell that of all the players I'd represented, he was the one that would become a really successful agent. So, um, so yeah, so so together, we yeah we, we've, we went on a, a, you know, a, a decent recruitment drive for younger players, not just parochially because we've ne- I've never just been about Leeds United but at Leeds at the moment yeah I mean, Jamie Shacks has broken through uh, Ryan Edmondson can do no more than as an 18 year old score goals every week for the under 23 so yeah. he's well ahead of schedule whether he you know whether he he stays playing his trade at under 23s or goes out on loan who knows you know but we trust Leeds we implicitly trust Bielsa and his judgement uh, Ollie Casey was 19th man last week so people wouldn't have seen that but that's sort of a bit of a breakthrough coming through so young Ollie Casey is, really is one to watch and uh, it seems like Bielsa likes him we've got sort of three more just under that age group um, and he's got his own kids as well two of them uh, who have getting rave reviews younger kids uh, so yeah the, the, the Leeds United thing goes on you know but we, we try and with all of those that I've mentioned, 
and I, I'm sure their parents won't mind me mentioning it, but if they're listening or do listen to the podcast, but we we try. We talked about Gary Speed, for example, David yeah. Hattie and all that. If you forget the earlier ones, who I'd never forget because they were brilliant for me, you know, Birdie and Bobby. We we, we suddenly got into um, we we got into a mode of having a type of player, and they're usually what people would call a manager's player, as opposed to just a fans player. Yeah, a seven out of ten every week. Well, you can say that with one James that Shaw. managers want, and uh, and we've done you know. Ben Davis at Spurs, Seamus Coleman at Everton are examples of the type of HN player that managers like, the good pros, you know. And all of those kids we've mentioned, the ones we've got at Leeds, it, largely they're, they're like that because of their families. So that's what we're interested in as well. It, you know, the mums and the dads and are they grounded and are they going to keep them grounded? Because it's not just about the agents. The parents need to keep these kids grounded, you know. And that lot at Leeds are, definitely. I guess the shape of a well-rounded player changed after the, or sort of at the Howard Wilkinson start and then beyond there. So I guess what you're saying is the characters of the game were in the past, but I guess now it's, it takes more than just being a good footballer. Yeah. You've got to be good off the pitch and yeah, you've got to be disciplined. Absolutely. And, and, I, but, and, and I think had that been the case in their era, they would have still been great players and they'd have done that. You know, Bairdie, Bobby... They were they were very good footballers, you know. It's, it shouldn't be underestimated. I mean, Bobby, leading goal scorer at Derby, two three years running, Leeds United three years running, whatever. But it was allowed for them to carry on on a Saturday night. It was allowed to drink and misbehave with your agent. It was culture, you know? wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and now it isn't. With being an agent, have you always had other sports on the go? That's what you've branched uh, out. No, I, I've. It's well documented. Yeah, you've got Josh Warrington. Yeah, I, I mean, I've. Uh, other than Josh, I've sort of helped out a couple of times where largely people that I've, I've known have said, look, you know, could you do a contract for me? So uh, Lee Crooks from way back, Crooksy, you know, f- for quite a few years, yeah. I, I sort of looked after and, and got on wave and socialised and had good fun and... Did you, know. you did you want to work with Josh because he's a Leeds fan? Yeah, I, wa- I wanted to work with Josh because I was a boxing fan primarily knew all about Josh anyway before Josh knew about me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because, you know, it, what, you know, if somebody was going to look after Josh, you know, it should be me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, on a serious note, it was no, like, I, I, I think Sean, Sean, his dad, uh, his dad was the one that, that wanted to know what I was all about. And I think for, from Sean's point of view, I think something he said was, look, if he's good enough for David Batley, he's good enough for us. And, <laughs> But it's a non. It's one of those where we sat down five, six years ago, and and I totally believed in everything that they were going to achieve. Yeah. And my part of it, the biggest part for me, in it was that if we get to world title opportunities, one way or another, you know, I will deliver Ellen Road somehow. One way or another, I'll, I, you know, I'll make that a big show. And uh, so wow. we were integrally making it out there. Because of the relationship with, with Simon Ricks and everything, I was able to get the Kaisers to come, and they appeared for nothing for for Josh, oh, really? Chief, flown in from South Africa, you know, for nothing. No, nobody, you know, all be. We wanted people who wanted to be a part of it. It's like when Vinny did the ring walk; he didn't do, he didn't want any money, and we don't want to give money to him. It's a privilege for someone to do a ring walk for Josh. We shouldn't be paying people, and this is this is what I was brought in to do. You know, it's like Josh, no. 
if people want to come do the ring walks and all that, you know, you decide who you want. You decide as a Leeds United fan and somebody who's proud of the city of Leeds like I am, you know, who do we want? I'll go get them, you know, and, and, and that's part of my job, really. The side before self mantra kind of falls, a, it casts over the city, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And people are, are proud to be part of the city and the city lives bigger yeah. than them, doesn't it? And I think that's it. I think, you know, football aside, I, I think, you know, <laughs> If, you, if, you, if you're born and bred in Leeds and you've seen the things in the past that have gone on in, t- in, in Leeds, you know, as a, a place that wasn't even safe to go out on a Friday night mm. with shit happening, you know, every night of the week and it, it being dirty, a dirty town, you know, and suddenly, you know, to see all the things that have been happening, you know, you, you can be really proud. So, so you know, I, I just like, I'm, I, I am like Josh, um, you Lee Hickey, who you've interviewed before, you know. I was just going to say that. We're all people who are really proud of the city. So we love our football club, but I love the Rhinos as well, you know, and anything else that moves its leads, I love. So... Well, that's evident with with your media work with Lee. Um, Can you tell people about how how you're involved with that and and what your contribution is, I suppose? Yeah, we... we, I mean, Lee, Lee... and his team are, and, and this sounds like a, a promo thing. So, I'm not a shareholder anymore. So this is oh, you're <laughs> it, not. No, no, no. It's you know we by arrangement and by agreement there was a certain point at which it would be taken to, uh, and that was up to sort of last year. So we've achieved everything we needed to do. And again, together. that side before self looking yeah. after this, and, and it needed the chairman there now. It needed that type of chairman, you know, and, and um, you know. It, uh, he's someone who, who is fit to take it over and, and do the things that he's going to do. Lee is a genius, frankly. Yeah. But the, the the beauty is that we all had sort of common goals and, and the city talking was what we started with, which was a paper outlet. Uh, and one of the things, the first things we did was we managed to get Simon Grayson, Josh Warrington and David Batty, you know, in a room together which was supposed to be like a 20-minute interview. And <laughs> two and a half hours later, they're still talking with each other. We got great pictures. It we was got outstanding. great narrative, you know. And that really boosted the city talking straight away. Um, so Lee always had a plan, frankly. You know, he is a man with a plan. Uh, I was there to try and monetize it. Uh, and we got we got on well together, still get on well together. So we, we did... You know the films that you know about, really. Do you want to yeah. win? And um, uh, the Rhinos film. Uh, Lee wasn't instrumental, but he was still a part of us putting the Josh Warrington thing together. It was a, it was a London firm that, that put that together, but we we quickly we sold that to Universal Studios before it even got released. Yeah. So we know that there's some great narrative out there, you know. And the work Lee's done this last year, which I wasn't involved with with Leeds United, was good stuff. You know, I think oh, it was outstanding. I think wasn't it was it? great. You know, I saw you at the premiere. Yeah, and yeah. I think we were both just taken aback at how well it was done, and it yeah. was so. It was his finest hour. Yeah, I think. I think. Just, I, I think, I I think it's think. just literally watch this space with, with the the city talking and and Hebe and Lee because yeah. they'll the you know they'll go on to even bigger and better. That's for sure. And that can only be good for the city. Well, it is. They, you know, they, they're proud, proud Leeds people, you know. One of the things we were talking about in uh, preparation for meeting Hayden is that we kind of wanted to um, hear the sort of agent side of things. Because I think 
A lot of the time in football, you just agents get a bad reputation because because managers have a big voice and chairmen have a big voice. So agents do sort of get put down as sort of people that are just trying to get the most money for their clients. Do you think that's unfair? No, I don't think it's unfair. Really, I think I think you know it. It's a general conception that's pro- probably understandable, if if not totally appropriate, but. Um, and, and I think just like all walks of life, you know, there's, there's good and bad agents. Um, unfortunately, some of the time, the bad agents are the ones that make most money. I'm going to say, you only hear the bad ones. It's like a review on Amazon, isn't it? Yeah. You only hear the bad ones. Yeah. And, and you know, um, but, I th- you know, I couldn't see a day where, I mean, FIFA, the FA, all these governing bodies, they, they continually try to drive agents out of the game somehow you know whether it they've tried all sorts in, in my time over 28 years the first thought the easiest thing to do is why don't we ask them for 100,000 Swiss francs as it was then <laughs> they, they deposit that with us with FIFA uh, non-refundable we can take we can penalise take the money off them whenever we want that'll drive a load out of the way you know what it didn't. What it did, it drove loads out of the way. Probably all the good ones that didn't have a cent to the name that were just starting their yeah. businesses, all the ones that had made a few million by hook or by crook went hundred. Yeah, go on. There's, there's my hundred thousand. That's me sorted out. So that failed. So they changed that. Then they said, let's just go unlicensed bollocks. Anybody can be an agent. That failed, obviously. Then they said, oh, let's make them sit an exam. So. You know, there's now 360-odd agents in England, I think, registered agents who have sat an exam. You know, I'll come across 10 to 20 at the most every year, and it's the same 10 to 20, you know. So, you know, they're just forgetting the fact that managers and some club owners know that agents need to exist, Mm. and therefore they will work with agents that they trust. You know, and and it comes full circle. Then it, it, you just need to develop trust. Yeah. Well, as an agent and a Leeds fan, mm. how and what did you think of the way Harry Kuehl left the club? Do you know what I, I was? I was. Um, I'm just, the only reason I've paused is is <laughs> I, I I represented Reedy at the time. Uh, and if you ever, if, if Peter was ever to, to to want to tell the real ins and outs of that deal, Leeds fans would be even more irate. At, at Liverpool as a football club, you know, and Kewell and his agent as individuals. You know, Harry, you can't blame individually too much. You know, this is where an agent can t- and should take some of the blame because if you're saying to a player, bottom line here is you can earn all this money. Yeah. And you can go to Liverpool Football Club now and possibly play Champions League and everything else. And I know you've had a touch of it at Leeds, but which way do you think both clubs are going? So sat down logically, there's a move there. What there isn't is an opportunity to rip the arse out of our football club. Mm. You know, that, that money should have come to our club. That's where, that's, that's where it was immoral and, that, and that's where it went wrong. And certainly Reedy absolutely tore his hair out. It was sort of the beginning of it. For him, it was, you know, I've just had enough. How can we yeah. let this happen? Uh, I mean, Reedy was all for, you know, intimidation tactics and all sorts of <laughs> shit to, 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 to make sure that Leeds United got their money. Yeah. 
So you know, I have a degree of sympathy with Harry Kewell because because the players are kept in the dark sometimes with these deals, and and you know it's not his responsibility to to make sure Leeds get their money. It's Leeds United themselves not rolling over as softly as they did at the time, you know, making more of it, and and Liverpool being more honourable, and you know. I have to say, the agent, you know, just just saying, listen, we're, we're all all right. We've got our money. You know, this should be Leeds United. Right. Well, I'm not trying to goad you here, but what about the move to Galatasaray? How did that one sit with you? Well, no, that, that's where, you know... That's where it I, all goes. I suppose, I suppose what that signifies is that, unlike Jamie Milner, unlike Fabian Delph, Tony Yeboa, uh, Radebe... Um, you know, Harry Kuehl has got no real heart and soul for Leeds United you know for, for for Harry he moved to Liverpool he became a Liverpool player that's Leeds finished with he finished with Liverpool you know he becomes another club's player so I don't think he'd have had a second's thought about Leeds United well it's Paul Maley who's famously said to have signed a contract at Leeds without agreeing a salary and declaring he didn't care he just wanted to play for the club that kind of thing fully died now no, no, not at all. I th- you know, the, the, several of our players still say, you know, look, you just go do what you need to do. You know, it's, it's come back and tell us if we've got a deal. You know, we're we're happy. Just we just want to play football. I, le- I think it's a thing that you know people do misunderstand. You know, the the majority of footballers do just want to play football, and all the riches that come with it. You know, that's not their fault. In inverted commas. You know, you know. Yeah. I mean, they they are a commodity. They'll be treated as a commodity, you know. And it's up to people like us to sort of protect them to a certain extent. But the, you know, the general theme is always, I just want to play. You know, so so we very rarely get a player that's getting a good wage, but is on the bench, saying I'm happy. Mm. Yeah, it's at that point that players say, listen, this has been eight months. I've not, I've had hardly any minutes. You need to get me away. And it's not get me away from that club or because I hate this or because it's because I want to play some football. As a Leeds fan, I think um, you have a bit of a blinkered view. Not you, but us in general. <laughs> and uh, you you don't really realise there's a lot of uncertainty in football and that players get sold. It's not just always a, a case of wanting to move. Uh, and I guess, is it fair to say that an agent is the commonality throughout their career? You know, football clubs come and go for them, don't they? But an agent is kind of their friend and, and well, I guys. Think, and yeah, I, I think less and less so now. We're, we're because of FIFA and FA, we're only allowed to contract a player for two years. So every two years, that player has an opportunity to leave us. So what it tends to happen sometimes is the real big boys will will offer in, incentives. You know, not necessarily supposed to, but they will. Uh, you know, if you've got a young player that looks like he might make it, you're very vulnerable at, at the end of each two years. You've earned no money. You know, if, if we're looking after a player at age 16, 17, we're unlikely to make any money until he's 20, something yeah. like that, and breaking through. So we put four years of mentoring and, and caring, but we're vulnerable now because of the rules every two years. And if he's just beginning to make it, we're at our most vulnerable. So it's, you know, the bigger agencies can come in, offer this, that and the rest in terms of incentive to sign with them. 
it's nothing to do with the club or where they might career might go, just an added incentive. So, you know, that again is why we, we try and we've we try to be with those grounded players where you're explaining to the parents, you know, no, we're not paying you X amount of cash or whatever. And no, you're not getting a car or whatever it is just for us to represent your boy. The one thing that we know is with the type of players we've got, the day they make it, the day they make it big, your mortgage is getting paid off. Because yeah. that's what our boys do. That's that's what most good players, that's what they do. They think about the mums and dads and all the sacrifices they've made. And the first chance they get, they reward them. They don't need an agent giving them a little bit here and there. You know, it's, it's, it's cheap. So, yeah, a bit of a soapbox there. But, but um, you know, I think the majority of players, uh, yeah, the moves... The agents will stay with him. We're quite lucky. Most of our players have stayed with us right through to the fact that they've become managers or in management, and they still are. They're still with us, but um, it is difficult. And I could, I've got no problem. I, you know, I won't lose any sleep, and I keep trying to tell Andy now who's, who's saying that they want to go, let them go, don't fight for them, because the worst thing for you is is a player in the dressing room saying my. My agent's got me under contract. I don't think he's doing a good job. I want to leave him, but he won't let me go. For us, it's tear the contract up if that ever happens. I mean, fortunately, it's not happened that often in 28 years. So, But, yeah, let him go. Is there a particular part? Because like everyone has things in their job they don't like. Is there a particular thing in your job that you really, really dislike? Yeah, yeah. A couple of things, really. Time wasters. And that includes clubs. So just like when you're selling a car, there's there's clubs that are notorious tyre kickers, you know, and you, they just piss you off because you, you have to engage, you have to go down that road and experience tells you deep down, this is never going to happen. They're juggling my player, they're using him as leverage because they want somebody else and they, they're using him as this decoy in that if you don't sign now, we're going to sign so-and-so. So I hate that in it. And I also uh, very much dislike greedy parents that are probably, you know, well, I don't have to be careful, no. Uh, greedy parents that basically should be thinking about the well-being of, of, of their kids in terms of their future and their career and how it pans out instead of the money. One thing I do want to touch on that's changed in your career is transfer deadline day. Um, obviously Sky make a big hoo-ha make a big deal of it as a fan you get a bit giddy I personally find it all a nonsense and get frustrated by it does it make your job a nightmare transfer deadline day I think I think it does if you you know if you've not planned and you, you've not tried to do your job properly so generally you know I've, I'm sure there's agents who won't thank me for this but <laughs> You know, if you're an agent that's getting fraught and fretting and, and panicking about something that's going to happen on deadline day, you haven't really done your job that well. Well, this is because it. Because it should be lined up, you know. We, we work now, as all agents do, we're working now with clubs for January. You've plenty of time to do it. It's the clubs that let people down. It's it's the clubs that that, you know, have opportunities to do deals and then delay them, delay them, delay them and then start bellyaching when it's the last day and you can't get a player on a plane or you can't get him here because we've run out of time. You know, it's for me, it's a nonsense. I mean, you have to have a cut-off point. I get that. But but why does this circus? And I think, I don't, I don't know the real stats because I just don't 
like getting the over involved with that deadline day stuff but I would suggest the stats show that over the last three four deadline days the level of deals are diminishing one by one because clubs are getting used to it now you know the January window's not what it used to be you know it's is there good value out there not really why is a player available in January because another club don't want him yeah so why do we want him then you know and why are we getting held to ransom to pay over the odds for a player that somebody's offloading you know so it's I think a lot more logic is going into it we're in the advent now of football sporting directors and and CEOs from industry as opposed to football I mean Man United are a, 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 are a great example for us Leeds fans of how you do it wrong yeah you know but you know they're they're a bad example of letting a CEO recruit but a lot of clubs now have, have you know they're pretty pretty much efficient they know what they're doing so I hope that that deadline day hype will sort of diminish window by window you know now, I'm, I'm don't know why I'm bringing this up because I'm sick to death of talking about it, but the, the Dan James saga. Yeah. Um, that should never happen, really, should it? And No. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, people got an insight to that because they've seen it all on film. And uh, fortunately, people now understand how how much Victor Art cares about our club, you know, and about doing his job. You know, he's a top professional, but moreover, he's he's been bitten. You know, he's been bitten, that's for sure. You know, he loves Leeds United. So, but the Dan James things, you know, that just shows that something can happen. And and I tend to know, I roughly know what did happen, but out of the hands of the people that want that deal to happen. So you've got Dan James wanting it to happen. You've got his father wanting it to happen. You've got Victor Arthur on behalf of Leeds United wanting it to happen. But the, the fact is, the hard fact is, you know, right up until that registration document is a Swansea player. Now, if they thought they'd played a clever game that suddenly didn't suit Swansea, it suddenly didn't suit them because someone moved the goalposts, you know, and who's laughing now? You know, Swan, James goes to Man United, he's playing in the Premier League for far more money than he would have done at Leeds United. Swansea get a much bigger transfer fee than they would have done with Leeds United. So, you know, for all parties other than Leeds, it's worked out good. Seeing what could have panned out, it's horrible to see, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I read up a bit about you from 1999 and, and you actually said that, um, or you asked the question, has football reached its ceiling, I guess, in terms of transfers, wages and everything? And at the time, I think you immediately said no. Do you think uh, it's we've reached a ceiling now? No, I don't. I think, you know, I, I mean... <laughs> We're talking crazy money. I mean, you know, who would ever think of paying 80 million quid for Maguire? You know, I mean, what's going on there? I'm He's just, got a big head. Yeah, well, I'm just glad it's them that did it because it's their money that they're throwing away, you know. So, so, long, so, long, as, so long as they keep making mistakes like that, that's brilliant. But I think um, it's all, you know, we know it's all about TV money. Yeah. You know, we just know what an unbelievable product you've got. You know, it's, it's awful to call it a product, but it is in their eyes. And now that we're going, moving on, people say, oh, because there's so many more platforms, it's going to diminish the value for Sky and all that. No, it's not. You know, that, that's just creating more competition with even wealthier people that all want a bit of the action. So, so yes, it might get divided, but the total input is just going to get bigger and bigger. And the bigger it gets, the more the wages and the transfer fees are going to go up. That's, that will just happen. The only time I could see it falling down is if 
miraculously over however many hundreds of years we've been playing the sport, another sport comes along that has a bigger global global appeal in football. And for me, there's none. No other sport touches it. No, nowhere near. We'll go on that. Then, in your experience, hypothetically speaking, here because it's a crazy question. Do Do you think that most players would rather have fifty grand a week to play in a championship, or get ten grand a week and play in a Premiership, and not play? Or not play. So fifty grand a week and not play. I think fifty grand a week in the Championship and you're playing. Yeah, but be, have ten grand and have the. I'm a Premier League footballer. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I think going back to it earlier, the key of that question is you said I'm playing. So yeah, they'd rather have five times the money as long as they're playing football. And that's throughout the sport. But if you put it another way and said, would they take fifty grand a week in the Premier League but be on the bench every week? Or ten grand a week to play football in the championship every week. They'd take the ten. They'd, they'd instruct me to get a deal that give them ten grand a week, but guaranteed them football. If you could ever guarantee a player football, you've got the magic wand because that's what they want to do. That's fresh to hear. I guess that's um, testament to the draw of clients that you have, isn't it? Like the people that you attract uh, to come and work with you, they are of that nature. So I think you sort of reflect back your character and how loyal you are to Leeds and how much football matters. But I guess there are players that. Would be the yeah, other way. there's mercenaries out there, you know. I mean, there's mercenaries in every walk of life, but yeah. um, and it, it, you know, but I do, I, I genuinely believe in the sport, you know, and and you know, I wish I had 15, 20 Premier League players right now, you know, I don't, um, but that's me wishing it for commercial reasons. Mm. I still believe that you know, the majority of Premier League footballers have the same mentality, it's just the noughts are bigger at the end. It's not them that write the checks and it's not them that determine the market at all. You know, they just go play football. The market decides how much they're worth and, and they've got to sort of shrug that off, really. Um, so, so I still, yeah, I, I hope it's not blind faith, but, I, you know, all the players I come across, people I come across, Premier League or not, you know, the majority love it for what it is, which is, is football, you know. And that's why you got into it because you love football. Yeah, I, I listen. I, I get a, I get a massive buzz still. You know, I mean, particularly if it's Leeds United related. I mean, that uh, on that note, talk another Bairdy story. Just two seconds before you go with this for the listeners. Hayden's got the biggest grin on his face because <laughs> we're talking about football. We're talking about something we're all passionate about, and that's why we love the game because it makes us happy. Yeah, absolutely, it so, does. So go on then, tell us this tale. It's it's like a couple of times I've been starstruck whilst working. One was meeting Kenny Dalgleish just because of the player that he was. Is the other one now? The the other one is Bairdy again. One of his God knows how many moves, which was always great for me. He was always on the move. And he was going to Bristol City. And uh, and we're driving down and all that, and he's he, he's saying, you know, we know what we're doing, don't we? I said, yeah, we know where we are with it. Don't worry about it. It's, you'll be a Bristol City player by the end of the day. Money will be right. Just leave it all with me. He says, yeah, no, I'm cool, I'm cool. And then it, we get like half an hour to the ground. And he's gone. So were you? You're really quiet. I said, no, no, it's nothing. I can't tell him. So then we get we we park up, you know, and he said, listen. What is what's going on here? He says, you know, you're normally joking and buzzing. You're making me nervous. I don't like to feel nervous, you know. I said, 
George Arden, isn't it? <laughs> what do you mean it's George? It's Big Joe, isn't it? He's the gaffer. I said, I'm going to meet George Arden. I can't believe it. I said, I'm just I'm a bit lost for words. So, and they said, Jesus Christ, you know, now's not the time to get lost for words. You're doing my deal. But it was, I said, you know, Joe, massive fan, massive fan. You know, I used to love watching you play for Leeds. So, yeah, a bit starstruck on that one. But that's brilliant because, end of the day, I keep going back to it. We're all fans. Um, are we on the up? Are Leeds United on the up? Honestly, I think so. I genuinely think so. I, I just, I just love what this man has brought to the club. You know, we we've all been there, and I've been there a bit longer. And you know, we have had good spells, and we've had some good times, but we've had an awful lot of dross. And and just the fact he's got a grip of the place. I'm talking about Bielsa now. Yeah. Combined with everything that that Andrea has been doing in terms of hooking up with the community, everything that Victor Orta has been doing from sorting that academy out top to bottom, top to bottom, you know, to make it a, an elite academy, which it is at most age groups. You know, we, we, we gold our own against the best now at, at every level just about. So I sort of see the ones coming through and that are great. And we've always had that, really. We've always been lucky enough. I just think in some of these people, we might hold on to them. I think, obviously, you know, we've one example of, you know, Spurs getting involved and all that, but I don't think that's going to be a common thread at all. Um, and, yeah, I I just, you know, we're where we are now. What are we tonight? Third, I guess we've dropped into, haven't we? Yeah. After last night, whatever. By the time this goes, we might be somewhere else. We might be top again. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm like oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So, you know, I think we've done that by most people's admissions, n- not playing brilliantly well. We've not peaked yet. Enjoying our football, not having a balanced side, you know, because he's not been able to pick his best his best team, really. Injuries have been pre- have been preventing us all sorts, you know, and, and we're just, we're up there. So... Yeah, I just, I just listen, and I, you know, Patrick's got to score at some point, hasn't he? You know? yeah. And once he starts, I don't think he'll stop. So yeah, I, he's that sort of player, isn't he? I'm happy. I, I, I'm really happy. I, I, I can't wait. You know, every morning that you know, Saturday morning of whenever day is now, Mondays. I can't wait. You know, I can't wait to just go and watch him play. Do you think uh, this is not looking at the club at the moment? But do you think the lead shirt is really heavy to wear for some players, and they just they just can't seem to get going at the club. But they've, a, had, they've had like, success um, elsewhere, but it just hasn't fit. It's them. exactly that. It's exactly that. I mean, um, I was sat at, um, Simon Grayson did an evening with um, four Sherburn White Rose, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, one of the most telling things he said, you know, they, they said, listen, Simon, why, you know, why do you think it took so long at that point, you know, to, for us to get anywhere? And, and you know, what about this player and that player and all that? And Sam said, I'll stop you there. He said, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. He said, I'll tell you exactly what it is. And Chez is at the side of me as part of this, and he knows what it is. He said, putting that shirt on and playing at Elland Road is very, very different to the majority. He said, I'm not saying every club, but the majority of clubs. And there's a huge pressure it brings on a player. And no matter how talented, some can't handle that. They can't handle the Elland Road situation it's not because the fans are fickle or it's not for any other reason than it's intense. And it's, it's the intensity of being at Elland Road. One thing that we always talk about, and you, you kind of hear 
pundits and you hear ex-players and ex-coaches, they all say it's really important the fans get behind the players. It's, and it sort of just sounds like it's just something to say. But the older I kind of get, you understand it because you can feel the sort of pressure on the players when it goes negative in Ellen Road. And you, and you really see the importance of, of getting behind them. Um, when you see someone who's carrying the weight of the shirt, you know, and do do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think I think you know it's number of rows and rucks I've had, you know, at Leeds with fickle fans that are too ready to jump on the back of players. It's like, listen, you you are entitled to your opinion, absolutely, yeah. and you are paying your money to go watch. But why don't you voice your opinion after the ninety minutes? You yeah. know, when they're out there playing, who's going to benefit at all? by you slagging a player off or, you know, booing him when he comes on yeah. or something like that. I yeah. mean, it's not something we do a lot. No. I mean, Leeds aren't known for that, to be honest. But, you know, there's always the odd prick, really. That, that, and it's like just, you know, sometimes it's hard to, 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 to keep your counsel, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, so you, it's... Um, the, the thing as well is it's just not on the terraces now, is it? It's social media. Well, I that. think that's half the problem. Because, mm. you know, I, I'm sort of old school, obviously, and, and I like to tell myself that the majority of the critics uh, you know I mean there's people don't even like Bielsa which is unbelievable oh, so, mate. so I think I think I, I tell myself that these are the people that don't come to the games that don't get yeah. tickets for matches that don't experience what yeah. we experience yeah. they're just you know keyboard warriors that love yeah. to have a moan up so it's like uh, whatever you know it's one thing I've liked is that there's been quite a lot of vocal support for Patrick Bamford. I'm a huge advocate of Patrick Bamford. Uh, I've I've said on here before after last season's episode against Villa, I've been quite happy to never seen him again. He's turned it around for me and been a fighter all in the right ways. And the fans are getting behind him. I think I think the Leeds crowd have been magnificent for Patrick. Absolutely magnificent. I, I, you know, it's like it astounds me. It, as a Leeds fan, it astounds me because I keep waiting for the moment they're going to turn. That that's the bit I'm dreading, and yet, you know, yeah, there's there's the odd voice, and there's a lot of people, and I get absolutely, you know, people that say he's a striker and he should be scoring goals, you know, and and I, I do get that, but his work rate and his work ethic is all about what so-called Leeds fans say they're about, which is I don't care if we lose so long as they give hundred percent. I don't, so you hear that from them all, you know, on the one hand, you know, hey. Being at Leeds, you know, Leeds United's all about effort, all about 100%. If they give us that, I've no complaints. Well, you bloody have. Yeah. Because Patrick Bamford gives you that every single game. And yet, you know, some of you are sniping at him. He's been frightening this season. So, you know, and I think he's he's an intelligent enough lad to know that if his manager drops him, he's dropping him at the right time for the right reason, not because of the fans. Bielsa won't drop anybody because of the fans. You know, so, he, you know, he, he'll decide... When that drought is too far, you know, I, I trust him. This leads me perfectly into a, a little little segment I've got called Quickfire Questions. And I think I know where this one's going. Patrick Bamford or Eddie Nketiah? To start, yeah. Bamford. Best manager you've worked with? This isn't Quickfire, is it? It will be when the edit comes around. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've not... The best manager I've worked with for Leeds United is Howard, but I've not worked with Bielsa because you don't get to be that close and I would love to work with him, you know. But So I've not worked with him. I think going back in the days, Joe Royal was really good. And of modern times, outside Leeds United, Pochettino's 
incredible. A Bielsa. To work with. He's a, a Bielsa disciple. disciple, that's it. As is Pep. Say all the best. Go on then, best chairman you've had the pleasure of dealing with? Uh, Leslie Silver, clearly. You know, this is sort of a, a big Leeds slant in it. And very surprisingly <laughs> for a lot of people, uh, Daniel Levy. All right. Is, is despite all the very hard water chairman for, for your club. You know, hard to deal with, drives hard bargain, but he's very straight, very very honest in his dealings. Um, so yeah, he's he's been he was good. Fan head on, favorite player of all time for you for Leeds for Leeds. Yeah, it's a bit bit of cliche really. Bats or speed, I'd have them equal. I mean, I'm obviously completely biased. If it was not. Those not represented, you know, that I've, that I've not represented, Big Joe in his time was just legendary for me because I just loved watching him smash people all over the park. And I would love to have represented and, and still Jamie Milner. Yeah. Just the ultimate pro. Favourite goal? Any one of your boys. Any of them? Absolutely any of them. You know, everyone bring, tingles down my spine. I... I I think that the actually probably the Wimbledon, you know, the Wimbledon one more than the Liverpool, really. Yeah, I'm always surprised that he's left footed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Liverpool and Wimbledon were both right footed. Yeah, absolute yeah, yeah. thunder blast. I know. They? Yeah, I've got my last quick fire question ready. Beckford or Beckio? Beckford. Favorite Beckford moment? Too obvious. Uh, when he walked Josh into the ring at oh. Leeds Arena. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Right, Hayden, it's been fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a hell of an insight. I could sit here all night and gas we in. I'm looking forward to asking some questions off Mike that you can tell us the answers to. Thanks so much, Hayden. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Wow, that was a um, a marathon session with Hayden. And I, I get the feeling that we only scratched the surface of the stories that that man has got to tell. Not even close, mate. We, we're so lucky. James has got a bit of a... Exclusive, shall we say? Have I? We asked Hayden if he'll, <laughs> if he'll come back on, and he said he would. We need to get him back on. Mate, he's got stories about lots of different things, about lots of different eras, and lots of different ways of not just a supporting the club, but working with the club. And he's got some fascinating tales on uh, on some players and their relationships with the club. It's, it's quite an emotional interview. On not just on the sad stuff, but just when you see how someone's life has been so closely connected to a football club that they love, um, there's the highs, the lows, the, the hilarity, the passion, it all comes bursting through. One of the things I was really interested to hear about from the start was how you can separate that professional uh, relationship with the club and being a fan. And it was really good that you got so, so much out of him. And I think the answer was that it's really, really hard for him. Yeah, I think I think it is hard for him. I mean, he alludes to the fact that in the early days he definitely favoured favoured Leeds, but um, but you know, I think equally now he's he's got to be professional. He's got some top class talent on his books as well, so I think he is finding it easier. But still, he's a massive Leeds fan. So, man's a character. Uh, I, I I can't wait for part two. Really can't wait. I think we really just need to uh, thank him for his time. Yeah, big time. Thanks very much, Hayden. Oh, get him on every week. <laughs> yeah. 
I think he's got enough material for it, to be honest. Definitely. Hayden Story of the Week. We don't want him setting up his own podcast. We want him to come on this. True. Well, thanks again to Hayden for having us. Um, I'm hoping that I get to go and meet him next time because the man is a real character and he's got so many stories to tell. And I hope it's the, the next one's the second of many, to be fair. So in the meantime, check us out at leadsthat.com where you will find um, several other uh, interviews with people within the community of Leeds United, um, the monthly podcast and the match day pods. Check out the prize draw and we'll speak to you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.